Jim. I knit a spell on you, and now you're mine. Ooh. Light from Lantern presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. I feel like I'm yours. Oh, well, ditto. I didn't even need to do any spell work on you. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we're in a brand new month. And this month, we have a brand new theme topic for all of our episodes. You know what it is. Why don't you tell the people? Color magic. Yes. One of my favorite ways to layer intent in making. Yay. I tend to be a very colorful person, even though... I don't see all the colors due you to just my see different colors. My super gift of color blindness. <laughs> That's right. Yet he can still see colors. So it's an interesting yeah. choice of words. <laughs> Inappropriate name for my not really superpower. Very accurate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for this particular episode, I know in our past topics we've kind of talked about how we feel there's kind of a, a an issue with certain wording in magical terms. And I'm talking specifically with, quote, white magic or black magic or left-hand magic versus right-hand magic. Yeah, you know, as a palm reader, it's really interesting to think about like the left-hand or right-hand path (laughs) or these sort of... um, So the word, you know, if you're a left-handed person, you know that we live in a right-handed world. And it is it is really baked into sewn into knit into everything that we do. In fact, even the word um, sinister comes from the Italian word sinistra, which is the word for left. And this idea that the left is sort of malevolent or is negative and that the right, even the word, Oh yeah, that sounds right. Mm. And that that's associated with the right and with correct is an issue. We also have this problematic words when we talk about things being light or dark or black or white. Mm. And it gets, um, when when we're talking about actual color, like when we're talking about like the color of the, the piece of paper is white or the marker is black in Mm. color, That is fine. That's a description of color or the darkness of the night or the, or the lightness of the sun or Mm. the day, right? Those are descriptions of color that are appropriate. But when we're talking about concepts like dark sidedness or dark magic or black magic Mm. or white magic, or she's light and fair in her spirit, you start to see these terms and they get layered onto and associated with also racist ideas mm. and, or and or racism is also seen in that same context and they and in our country and our culture they tend to like blur together we start to have some problematic languaging just because of our history of racism in this country they it's hard to like untangle those yes so i think that these we we're, we want to look at black and white magic because it's not actually the color black or actually the color white. Mm. We want to we're going to refer to it as malevolent versus benevolent magic. We want to talk about 
in this, even though we're talking about color magic, let's talk about what is meant by malevolent and benevolent magic, or sometimes people say white magic or black magic is the common term. It's an interesting thing because when we're teaching our class in witchcraft, it always comes up. Oh, you know, I, I, are you good? Are you a good witch? Think Ooh. of Galinda, right? Right. Who happens to wear white? Imagine that. Right. Hmm. Well, I always thought it was pink, but yeah. Oh, well. Are you, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Witch, right? Mm. When she asked Dorothy, right, who just smashed the Wicked Witch of the East, <laughs> um, you know, with her house on accident. Mm-hmm. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Witch, right? And, you know, there's this idea of witches, modern witches today, like, are you, wait, are you practicing white magic? Are you, oh, are you, are you a good witch? Or are you doing evil witches? And so there's this, yes. still this perception of this, like, oh, are you going to harm people? Are you going to do bad things? Or are you just out to do good things? As if there's this whole strain of n- malevolent, you know, cults that are so active. I mean, we still have this 1980s, you know, satanic panic, yes. you know, thing is still sort of with us, oh, which yeah. is ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, it's people still have reactions that are like, oh, I don't know. So fear based if you tell them you're a witch and I'm like, but you don't even know what that means. <laughs> Why are you so scared of it? So, yeah. So, yeah. So I think this is a great concept to go over because it's very subjective and has so many uh, qualities that influence how we think about what malevolent something would be versus benevolent. So so That's what, right. what is the difference exactly in your eyes? Exactly. Anyway. Well, I, I, let's talk about malevolent. Let's talk about something which is quote unquote evil. Mm. Is there even an objective evil? Like, is there a, an evil force in the world? There are many people, this is a debate that will never be answered or solved. There's yes. many people that say definitely there is evil. Like, how could there be people like serial killers or mm. horrible things that happen if there wasn't an evil force? If there, And for many people, if there isn't a malevolent force, if there isn't an, an objective evil force, then it's sort of like their life doesn't have meaning. Like, what are they working against? Mm. I think in my, there's also a whole nother sort of side of folks that look at, there is no objective evil. Now, now, I'm just saying there's two sides of this conversation. There's another side, which is there is no objective evil, that everything is subjective evil. That if you were aliens looking down at the earth without Mm -hmm. this subjective sort of idea, you would say, well, that's just the cycle of life, or that's just how these animals that they call themselves human and they are chirping in a different way that the birds are chirping, you know, they would just kind of look at all of it as sort of like a big cycle and they wouldn't have those judgments or, you know, they would just be like, oh, these are all just how all these creatures, you know, sort of work together. And they Mm -hmm. would see like who's on the top of the food chain and they would be like, oh, the dolphins are the most intelligent creatures because they integrate with their environment what best. (laughs) Who knows? what their judgment would be, right? Yes. But it might be different from ours. Those folks might see bad as subjective, meaning bad things are threatening one's well-being, comfort, mm. or life. But there is no objective evil. And then that's really an interesting perspective because that gives you a whole different sort of look at something. It's like, okay, I'm eating this steak. It's delicious. It's juicy, right? Mm-hmm. It's perfectly made. Um, it's grilled, you know, 
it's barbecued based on, you know, Ooh, amazing, yeah. perfect you know, directions, perfect yes. directions and everything. Um, but is it good? Is it, is that benevolent? Mm, yeah. Well, ask the cow. <laughs> ask the cow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we're all happy to come over for steak whenever right. I make it. Yes. But I, I consent to eating it, but yeah. I don't remember the cow being like, um, hey, can I eat you? And the cow being like, moo, moo, yeah, moo. I've never invited a cow for dinner, yeah. so I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, only after the fact, I guess. Good good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. So it's the same with benevolent magic, right? What mm. is benevolent? It's really the similar sort of idea is if there is there an objective benevolent force in the world that mm-hmm. we're fighting for, or is benevolent is benevolent something that is subjective based on something that supports my well-being, my comfort, or my life. Yeah. And so there's these two sort of worldviews that I think work in different ways. And I think ultimately, um, for me, the way that I teach is I really think about another way to look at it is, is what I'm doing with my magic aligned or misaligned with my true will? Hmm. Meaning... Do I know myself? Do I know my soul's intent, my purpose for being here? Mm -hmm. And I think that you have a good way of saying that, which is like my center. I think that's what you. Yep. Like if you're feeling off balanced, you know, then you can feel like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. That's usually how I, I kind of do it. And then when it does feel right, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can kind of see where it's going. You know, it's more centered along with what I want to get to. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there is some work to be done to say, why am I here in the world? What is my purpose? What is mm-hmm. my orientation? Right. Mm-hmm. My orientation is around love, is around how do I live a life of loving myself and loving others and being mm-hmm. and, and living that in the world. But that's, that's my orientation, why I know why I'm here. And so what I do, I work to do my best mm-hmm. to create that in the world and living that joy and also living in a joyful way, right, is a big part of that. Yeah, it's really important to define your own personal ethics codes, you know, they can always change and they should life is evolving we're always learning new things but having that as again your centering point to see like okay well does this follow i mean it's like it's like running anything it's like running a business does this center with the brand you know but guess what your life is your brand (laughs) that's right yeah yeah a good business will have clarity about Mm -hmm. where we're going and what we're doing and Mm -hmm that will keep a business sustained over a long period of time. And businesses that don't have that struggle and spin and they can be successful, but they are successful with a lot of expense and a lot of spinning and a lot of waste. Wasted energy. And a lot of wasted money. (laughs) That too, yeah. Well, that's often a result of energy, right? And that's the same with us. We can really spin our wheels and wonder why we're not going anywhere when we don't understand like, wow, what is my direction? I, I have that with my palmistry business and my life, which is like, where am I headed? And why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. how does this align to what I'm doing? 
Yeah, yeah. the years move fast. It's good to yeah. have uh, goals to check in with. So for instance, and that would be to our example, what's benevolent and malevolent and with alignment with me is more about like what's aligned or misaligned. So mm-hmm. if I decide to, you know, do something, uh, take on a project that isn't aligned with what I'm doing and where I'm going with my business, I might reconsider it. Not that it's necessarily malevolent, but it just isn't, is a distraction Mm -hmm. or it isn't something that's on my path or it's a not right now type of thing. And this is true of our magic too. How does our magic crystallize that vision towards what it is our aim is about? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways to look at it. So now that we know what the two are, what what makes them similar versus what makes these two magical qualities different? One of the things might be intent, don't mm. you think? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it might also be, I don't know, I think that might also be what makes them the same. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I think that the intent is one thing, but one of the issues with intent is we can pave our way to really bad outcomes with intent. Mm-hmm. And I think that we tend not to look... especially spiritually, we don't always look at, and this is all spiritual work regardless. Mm. We don't always look at the impact. Like what's the impact of our work? Yeah, And I mean, like, sure, there's the magical work, but there's also like one of the impacts that I personally now don't feel like everyone needs to do this. Although if you want to do this, I highly encourage it. One of the impacts that we decided to really look at was the environmental impact of our magic in our own um, magical practice. Hmm. And one of the tiny things we decided to, to change was to change the the candles that we hmm. are using, which is a long process because we have a ton of candles in this house. <laughs> so all of the new candles that we are buying, we are changing to beeswax. Because paraffin is a petrochemical product and it creates benzene and other toxic pollution in your home. So we are changing to natural wax, either beeswax or soy wax or palm wax or whatever other kind of wax that is not a petrochemical wax mm-hmm. and as natural as we can. And, and knowing that some palm oils are also not good for the environment. And so we're looking at our environmental impact of our magic, as well as the impact on our magic, the actual magic itself. Yeah. And so I think that's something to look at. What, what's something that you think they have in common? Um, I mean, you, with either case, you have to have, as we said before, the idea for it, and then the actual action process to do it. So, you know, without the idea and the action, both are useless or non-existent, I guess. So. Yeah, it's an important point, right? You got to have that, those two things, you got to have the Venus, like the desire, Mm -hmm. you got to have the Mars, like the will, you got to have those two things happening together and make it happen. Right. Yep. So that drive to do it. So I know we, I came up with this idea, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I think it's also like malevolence is malevolence is in the magic of the magician type of idea. (laughs) Benevolence or malevolence is in the magic of the magician, really. Yeah. Well, and here's a great example. Um, I might have the idea to do magic for someone that is a loving sort of blessing. However, if I don't get their consent, it may not be something they want. So it becomes yep. bad, not good, yeah. you know, like. That's right. 
something you meant with a good intent suddenly not so good. So yes. And sometimes a curse can bring about amazing justice. And I have a story about that, that I'd be happy to tell you after the break. Woo! All right. If you want to stick around and hear it. I mean, I don't know if anyone wants to stick around and hear it. I I would like to please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Well then let's jump in quick to the break so we can come back and hear the story. We'll be right back. Congratulations to the winners of our Cord Magic book giveaway. Our thanks to everyone who participated, and especially to Llewellyn for providing these books to our listeners. Jim and I look forward to another giveaway opportunity on a future episode. Hey, Jim, I was just on your website, and I saw that you have an option for readings. Are you doing more than just palm readings now? I have started offering tarot readings in addition to palm readings. (gasps) Yes, finally. You can find information about tarot readings or palm readings on my website, thedivinehand.com. Both are available virtually anywhere in the world. Or if you live in the Seattle area, I am seeing clients in person as well. Thedivinehand.com. That's where you can go to learn more. Hey, Magical Makers. My River Mitts knit along might be over, but you can still grab kits from UU Yarns. These kits include the pattern and yarn and are conveniently linked within our show notes. Or you can learn more at lightfromlantern.com. Now you can cast on anytime you want for your own one week knit along. All right, we're back. Dish, tell me this story. <laughs> Was that too long of a break? To I wait? literally, I can't even. <laughs> My <laughs> even can you were listening to all those promos and then you were like, tell me the story, tell me the... Did you try to skip? Still. You were like trying to skip, skip, skip. No, I would never skip. I love listening to all of the things we have to say always, every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Katie, if you yes. think about me, mm-hmm. the joy monger, um, oriented towards love, like gregarious, happy person. Yes. Generally, do you think that you would think that I'm the type of person who would curse somebody, little old me. It probably wouldn't be the first thing I would consider. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know me a little better, so you know that I'm a complex person, and you would be like, well, actually, but... Probably had it yeah. coming. Once upon a time, I cursed someone mm. in particular, and it caused a stir because uh certainly was uncharacteristic of the persona that a lot of people have or had of me mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why in the world, how in the world would someone like me, you know, be moved to set a curse on a particular person? It seems Who like hurt you? totally. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so here's the background. There was a person who was involved in human trafficking, drug dealing, and had burglarized our home mm. and had targeted Um, a particular person in our family. This person, we um, utilize the justice system to uh, work on finding this person to bring them to justice with a um, restraining order and a court, you know, all the using the police and everything. Mm -hmm. And this person was successfully evading justice Mm. by not living at an address and um, other means of evading the justice system. And then, showing up at or near our property and continuing to harass us. That's pretty severe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to conduct a magical intervention. Mm. I So curses, I'm going to give you a little, we're, this is about uh, 
malevolent and benevolent magic. Yes. So here's a little uh, lesson on if you're going to do a curse. Ooh. Here's some lessons from your friend, Jim. Do, 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 um, do. <laughs> my high priestess always said, cast your spells like a lawyer, which means they should always have a loophole. Ooh. One of the best loopholes. <laughs> yeah. One of the best loopholes for a spell. This is any spell is to say something like this or better mm. for the greatest good of all. Mm, yep. Just think about what that means is I might not have all of the information. I mm. might, I certainly don't. I have my own lust for results. I have my own limited perspective. I want the bright red Ferrari. That's what my spell, but I might not be thinking about my budget. I might not be thinking about like mm -hmm. all the other big picture things, right? I not, might not be thinking about why that Ferrari is being sold to me for only $5,000. Oh, and yeah. I might not be looking at how the VIN number has been scraped off and like other telltale warning sign. Yeah. <laughs> I might just be like missing a bigger picture. So when we use that, that can help us be aided by the bigger picture that the universe has. Hmm. So that's one example. So when I did this curse was specifically a curse on a particular person and it had a loophole, which was if the justice system intervenes and gets this person, the spell is released. Hmm. I don't need to intervene if the justice system intervenes. The spell, the curse was specifically for justice to find this person one way or another, mm -hmm. either through the system or not, that justice meets this person. And if when justice finds that person, the spell is released, the okay. curse is released. Um, but it was a real curse and it was scary. Like I used their name written in their native language, in their native Ooh. lettering. Um, I used an effigy, which was a um, in black material. It was like black twigs, very mm. fine black twigs. I made an effigy uh, wrapped with red yarn around the neck, a piece of paper, parchment paper with the name written in red and then mm -hmm. sigils all over the paper. And then around the edges of the paper was the intent. There were all kinds of malevolent and protective elements around it. So it was both protecting us and our property, and it was bringing this person to justice and particularly that person. Right. Um, mm. So I used oils that would um, bring this person to justice. There were pins that were bringing this person to justice in particular ways. So it's very much like a scary looking thing. Part of the work was to make the work public. So I would publish oh. the work on, on social media so that that person would see it, oh. which was very important for the person to be because that mm. was part of it. If that person were to get eyes on it, then it would really have its effect. Mm. I will say that I knew, I knew this person was the guilty party, even though the justice department didn't mm. because I had an eyewitness. Mm. Interesting. So every so, time the person would look at it, that was sort of like recharging. They only needed to see it once. Oh, okay. And then it would work on them. The result of the curse is justice did find the person and the person was deported back to their country of origin. Mm. Yeah, it worked really well. Wow. How quickly did that work out? Not, do you remember? Well, they never bothered us again. 
Well, that's good. Okay. So the protective aspect worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. And eventually they were definitely deported. Okay. One more quick question. How, how did you destroy or release or whatever? What did you do to the, the thing that you made? So it flapped in the wind and then we buried it on the property okay. um, because it was meant to be a protective amulet. So it could decompose in the in the ground. Makes sense. Oh, very good. And that's why we use natural materials. Yeah. yeah. Yay. So for others, one I mean, there's other ways to sort of do that is you could dispose of it or you could burn it or other things like that. Sure, but for sure. this, I wanted it to decompose within the earth um, mm. to stay as a ward and so sort of imbue that into the earth. Smart. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. All so right. here are the takeaways is know your target. Be very sure about the target. Mm. Put a loophole in it. If you're not sure about the target, make sure that, you know, the right person receives the Mm. target of what you're doing. And like, I think it's that person, but if it's not, let it go to the right person. And, you know, there's things like that. You can't throw mud without getting dirty. So that work, I was involved in that work. And so throwing that energy got me into that energy. And so you have to understand that I don't do that very often. My favorite curse to get rid of someone is to give them a blessing of like, get a fabulous job in some Ah. other, like in, in a state across that I'm never going to go to like North Dakota. Sorry. If you're listening from North Dakota, I love you. I'll visit maybe Mount Rushmore or something, but like, that's where you send everybody who you're not interested in having wherever (laughs) somewhere that I don't live, you know, or even better be healed, like send Mm. them a, a a blessing to be totally healed and complete so that they don't need to bother me. That's a great one. The people who stole my palmistry antique, my suitcase full of antique palmistry stuff from the back of my car May everyone who finds or comes in contact with all of my stuff find blessings that they never need to steal again. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's so much better because it releases me from that. Yep. Right? Those are the best kind of anti-curses because I'm not involved in that. But this one really needed to be a different type of thing. And you're not feeding into like just the petty negative attitude of it you know i mean you have more of a outside perspective of it like it is what it is at that point stuff's gone so you might as well you know make the best of it it's right great great example right and i love the um or even better you're not the first one that i've heard that from but i love and that's i use that on all my spell work now because as the point of the person who said it initially, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes there's better on the other side. So if you get a no or a block on something that you're trying to work with, try to consider there, there's probably better or a reason that this one didn't work out. Maybe there is. Yeah. It's hard to have that kind of faith. So there's one of the questions is, do you trust the universe? Hmm. Yeah. Or your magic, or your power. Yeah. You trust magic. Do you trust? Yeah. All those. And there's this moment of like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Yes. And especially with the word faith having kind of that 
Christian idea. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. always a comforting background tone for everyone. Yeah. But that's it is what it is. It's exactly that. So So when we talk about malevolent and benevolent, mm-hmm. I think about that with making. Like yeah. what's a good scarf versus a bad scarf or what's good yarn mm. versus bad yarn? Oh, yeah. How does that play in? What's what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? I mean, talk about something that's super subjective. (laughs) Even a a good yarn versus a bad yarn, if you're just asking any yarn person, maybe the person will think, oh, it's based on the price you're paying or... And we're uh, fighting words. Yeah, the amount of natural fibers that's in there, where it comes from, how minimally it was processed, where it was processed from. What color is it? Like, not even anything. How soft is it? Some people don't even get that far into being that deep about it. So, um, you know. When you worked as a person who worked in a yarn store, if I came in and I'm like, I want a good yarn. Yeah. Um, It was usually a yarn that was soft. I remember asking for people all the time asking, I just want a soft yarn. And I'd be like, man, all we have is hard yarn today. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) We only sell the roughest of yarns right for your face. But I think a lot of people just aren't aware of how the technology has kind of come come up. But again, like, that's why it's so subjective. I'm, I'm really looking for a scratchy, cardboardy, really yes. stiff yarn because I'm making a sweater for someone I hate. Yeah, right. Exactly. That might be interpreted as a bad yarn and bad sweater, but that person is going to find that they had found something good for their bad intent. So figure that one out. Yeah. What a cool conversation. I hope you love this conversation about malevolent and benevolent magic. What do you think? Is there objective evil or subjective evil in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, What side are you on with your worldview? Have you ever cursed someone? What do you think about setting a curse? Or do you like to do blessings instead of on people? And have you ever like made something and then been plagued by your values judgments about it? I certainly have. My initial swatch is so bad, but Katie is like, I love it. It's just like anything, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. So let's talk about yes. what's coming up. Katie, you've got a really amazing self-love cowl, right? Yes. So there are kits available. Uh, it has yarn and the pattern, or you can just get the pattern, or you can just get the yarn, whatever you want. It's really, really fun. Um, if you're new to magical making, there's two pages of how-tos to kind of get you eased in. Even if you're very comfortable with it, you still might learn something. Um, and it holds two strands of fingering weight yarn together to make like a marled fun color play in the fabric. So it's really beautiful. Thank you. But what about you? What do you have coming up? Well, there's a really cool class in just two days, March 5th, Elemental Magic for a Modern World. Have you ever thought that like there's no place, if you're a water sign, like most people don't know what hand they have, what elemental hand they have. But like if you're a Pisces or a Cancer or a Scorpio, Mm. you ever kind of felt like you don't fully fit in society? This is a real thing because our society doesn't really like the element of water. Oh, that's for sure. Emotions, get out of here. Yeah. So in this class, I talk about 
the four elements from a sociological perspective and how we can rebalance our magical work in our society. I know it will be a fabulous class. Check it out. The, the link will be in the show notes. It's also on my Instagram and on my website. Check out the classes that I'm teaching under the Learn tab. Elemental Magic for a Modern World is on March 5th. You have a, still a day to register. And then coming up on March 12th, I'm teaching a class on Home Blessing 101. How to clear your space and consecrate your, your space, your home, your office, anywhere that you want to be. It's a really cool Ooh. class. Well, let's do our Oracle draw, shall we? Yes. Okay. So this week I'm really excited because I backed a Kickstarter for the second edition of the Northern Animal Tarot Deck. Yes. So those are um, cool. You like the like drawn tarot decks don't you i do yeah so these are the back oh look at the foxies yes i appreciate that it kind of has a design that you can't really exactly tell what's up and what's down um and the designs are so whoops beautiful they're all animals so no people which is my preference there's Tons, at least in this edition, there were tons of extra cards. So I think there's really like 98 cards in total. Let's see what comes out. These are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. The Northern Animal Tarot by Wilder Hearts Studio. Is that what I understand? That's it. You got it. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen this. This is the first time I'm seeing it. So I'm excited about it. Oh my. (laughs) Of course. We got. The Sasquatch. Uh, oh, is that Sasquatch? It's Sasquatch. <laughs> no wonder we can't see Sasquatch. They're so, whoa. Oh, that's it's a little so... dark, but I love it. So this, like I said, is one of the bonus cards that comes with the deck. Um, and f- before I read what the suggested meaning is, why don't you tell me how does this card make you feel in terms of our forecast for the week ahead? If this card came up in a reading, I would say... You need to know that not everything that exists is seen. Mm. This is true of the things within you and the things outside of you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there just needs to be some faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Not everything you believe is real. <laughs> kind of the opposite notion yeah. of that. Don't believe uh, everything you think, but also not everything you believe is real. There's, yeah, they're both true. Absolutely. Um, all right. So according to the little book, it also comes with a little book. I love that. Little, little book. Um, the Sasquatch is uh, be wild. Yes. But is there too much wildness? Don't let your wild behavior carry you away. <sighs> so kind of exactly that so <laughs> i think we were on on a good one there so so good oh my gosh i hope all of our listeners will drop us a line uh with your feelings on the episode and especially if you have your own interpretation of our sasquatch yeti card today or so. anything we talked about today you Indeed. can just email knit a spell podcast at gmail.com all right until next week have a good one jim bye everybody 
Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.